Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Good morning. So fun to be here with you today. Um, I'm glad I'm here on time. I wouldn't have been if I hadn't followed Scotty. It was easy to spot his green car on the road. Um, Just um, before I begin, I just want to say a very special um, thank you to uh, Stuart and Sonia for having me today. Um, it's a great blessing to be able to share what God has done in my life over the last nine, ten years. And um, I feel very, um, very grateful for the opportunity. So thank you very much for having me and for the work that you do for God's kingdom here on earth to lift high the name of Jesus and to um, honour him in all that you do. So thank you. Um, it's really nothing short of a miracle to be sharing my story with you here today. Um, A very dear friend of mine at church told me once that there's great value in holding things lightly in your hand. That when you do that, um, you can actually allow something to be. And when you do that, you become free. And so that's why I'm able to share with you today. For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm a teacher and I love what I do. I teach French and drama and English and I'm pastorally responsible for 20 amazing year seven boys who keep me on my toes. Um, I describe myself as a lifelong learner and um, I think that actually this has been a great blessing to me over the years. Around Bayside Church I am also known as Stuart said as Harry's mum and um, I think there might be a picture of him up on the screen. There he is. That's a very deliberate photo choice. Melbourne. Harry describes us as diehard demon supporters. We've been known to do prayer walks around the MCG and we truly believe that the Melbourne Football Club are in... Revival is coming. We believe. Um, Everybody has a story to share and as I get to um, meet people here at church and spend time together, Um, whether that be on a weekend or through connect groups, um, I'm coming to realise more and more the power and the importance in sharing. So our story is an incredible one of God's radical love. What the enemy destroyed, God purposed to be a declaration of his grace, his love and his mercy. The story of my life started well. Uh, The early chapters of my life were characterised by lots of time spent with um, a very close-knit extended family. I was raised in a Christian home by two loving parents and I've got a younger beautiful sister. Um, I was also brought up very closely by my maternal grandparents, both of whom had extraordinarily deep um, and beautiful faith in their own way and they were an amazing godly example to me. And I'm very grateful for the generational heritage that I have been a part of because I think that it's helped me to carry the shield of faith through um, a challenging um, journey with many twists in the road. I grew up in the Anglican church, actually in the church that my grandfather helped to build. And it was there that I first encountered the Holy Spirit and I began to develop my relationship with Jesus. Flip forward a few uh, chapters in my life story and you find me in my early 20s. I'd married my longtime sweetheart who I'd met when I was 17. Um, Together we 
uh, led the youth group. Um, we ran Bible studies. And I think you'd agree with me, life, life looked good. Life was good. Um, however, flip forward a few more chapters and life did become somewhat of a page turner. Um, I found myself with a three-week-old beautiful baby boy, Harry, um, abandoned by my husband. And um, nothing could have prepared me for that. Um, it was supposed to be a very, very special time and it was just a time of pain and confusion and I was numb, really, for a very long time. And I felt like I had let my family down and I felt very, very, like uh, just a shadow of myself, really. Um, it, was, it was a very strange time and I'm just grateful that God was there with me. Just as marriage is a very public act, so is divorce. And here I was with a newborn and I didn't have a husband. And so I got a dog. Um, <laughs> I just desperately needed to do something and against my parents' judgment, I got a dog. So I had a newborn and a dog, puppy. And I did that because I wanted to feel more like a family when I went out for a walk with the pram. And, you know, people would stop me and they'd say, oh, what a beautiful baby and I love your dog and your husband, something or other. And, you know, for those of you who heard Alan Meyer talking recently, he was talking about grief not being a linear thing and there are just times when I would just be left breathless because I didn't really know what to say and I felt so terribly inadequate. So obviously the next few chapters of my life were filled with a lot of pain and confusion and I can honestly understand that expression to have a broken heart. Um, but I did have a loving family and friends and I had a beautiful baby boy to care for and so I needed to get on with it and so I did. But it did get me thinking. I didn't really know who I was anymore. I'd been a wife and I was a new mum but I was then being given labels like single parent, single mum, zero credit rating and it really was very clear to me that I had a choice to make. I could either listen to and accept the labels that the world were, you know, shouting at me or I could embrace the notion that my identity um, was in Christ and that in him and through his grace I was enough. And so I began on the journey that I'm still on today and that's the journey of being whole and complete regardless of my marital status. Amen. So it was very clear to me that I needed Jesus. Wow, like I'd never needed him before. And whilst it was a terribly tumultuous time and chapters which I'd never would like to reread again, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity that I had to totally depend on Jesus for everything. He was my rock, he was my shield. I slept with a Bible on my bed. All I could really read was the word. That's all I had strength for. And it's wonderful how God uses and brings people into your life to speak to you just when you need it. And there I was, um, you know, pushing play on the CD player to put on some music to fill our home with some, a godly sound. And it was a children's Christian uh, singer called Colin Buchanan. Do you know him? 
Do you know him? <laughs> if you know him, you'll know why I'm talking about him. He was um, an amazing blessing, not just to Harry, but actually to me. He ministered to me in my pain. And Pastor Rob during the week was talking about having a childlike faith. And um, it's true. I, I was so ministered to by his great lyrics of fun and joy, but really profound, you know, what he was doing in my heart and um, through those awesome songs. My family and I have become, actually, I must confess, we've become Colin groupies. We go and see him in concert every year. We line up and we, we speak to him. And I take every opportunity I can to have a photo with him and to honour him and to thank him for the enormous contribution that he has been and continues to be to us and to our life. So the other person was actually um, a woman by the name of Angela Thomas. She's an American writer. Um, she shares her story in... Um, the word um, and she's penned lots and lots of books but I've got a very dog-eared copy that I keep on my bedside table which I pick up and read from time to time and she shared her heart about raising four children on her own um, and what it was like being a Christian mum you know and and her journey and I found that so incredibly encouraging it was such a blessing so whilst it was a difficult time God was providing and making a way the, uh, the night that Harry's father left, a very dear friend sent me um, a text message and it just said, Lucy, Psalm 91. And I got my Bible out and I read it. And um, generally speaking, that's where my bookmark always is in my Bible, Psalm 91. And I've written it um, on my heart. And um, it's a beautiful psalm that talks about the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in here on earth but that God is with us and that his wings shelter us and that we can rest in the shadow of the Most High. And I have just gained such incredible comfort from that and um, I was grateful for that text message that night. It's true that God never gives us more than we can handle, although sometimes I think that God has a very good sense of humour. Um, for me, church is essential. It's essential. I come every week because um, you know, I'm in a spiritual battle. And although the battle is God's, not mine, my job is to stand. And so I come to church so that I can receive the word, I can receive the, um, the training and the equipping that I need for the week to come. I'm so grateful when I come in those doors and I go, yay. I'm home. I've done another week. God is good. And someone comes and gives you a hug and says hi. And, you know, there's just nothing like being in the house of God. And that's why I'm so grateful. Um, and my heart is overflowing, really, with gratitude for the um, teaching and for the care that I've received, for the godly wisdom and for the people who've spoken um, words of life over Harry and myself and... Um, you know, that's, that's really where it's at. So not coming to church is not an option. It's just not an option. It's where life is and it's where I come to get refueled. Um, yeah. So um, I suppose in explanation of why I go to church with Harry and why we, do, we choose to do life that way, um, I've really seen very clearly how it's helped me to sharpen my spiritual eyes um, it's helped me to become far more discerning in the battle and I'm very grateful for that. 
and it's helped me to fix my eyes on Jesus. And um, I love um, making it my mission to live out Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which talks about, um, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily, easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And I love that because, um, as I said, divorce is a very public thing and so is raising a child on your own. It's very public. You know, people know that there's been pain. They might not necessarily know your particular story, but, you know, there's a whole bunch of expectations and um, ideas around that. And it's really important um, for me to be able to be on guard, have my armour on, so that I can stand, I can, I can get more discerning about the battle, that I can um, be on the... Um, front foot and try, not always getting it right, but um, try to honour God in not allowing sin into our home and into our hearts and into our lives so that we can run the race that God has called us to run. Um, Whilst there have been um, so many hard times, there have also been incredible blessings. And I think it's so true, you know, when they say, in order to, exp- um, to know really what joy is, you need to know, have experienced suffering because you tr- truly appreciate joy and the blessings in a whole different way. Um, and for me, I've learned a lot about the power of worship and um, I truly honour and I'm grateful for those who lead us in worship um, because you go and set the tone for us. You go into battle and prepare a way and it's very powerful. Being a practical person, I like to practise things and I like, I've been practicing recently um, worshipping instead of um, when I get confronted by um, fear or anxiety or, you know, a, a difficult situation. Rather than going to, into my automatic mode of, ooh, I have chosen on a couple of occasions to really put that into practice and allow God into the situation and allow God to take control of the situation and to purpose his good in the situation. And I have found that incredible. So if you're interested in um, trying something new and and having a go, um, I would really recommend worship. Um, It's a powerful weapon. And we know that, um, you know, when we get together and we worship, that there's great blessing in that. Um, I really like the byline, not bitter, better. And um, I really prayed very earnestly that God would heal my broken heart and that um, in our situation we wouldn't live from a place of limitation but from a place of thanksgiving. Now Harry and I never chose to have to spend time apart. Um, It's not easy but we truly do relish our time together because we know what it's like to be apart. But thank God we're actually never apart in spirit because of our love for God and because of that God connection, we know that a threefold cord is not easily broken. So yay, we get to do life together as a team. We're a tight team. Um, and we really, do, um, we really do enjoy life. We have fun, we have humour, we have Colin, and we have many, many, many blessings. Um, my, my situation, of course, has also given me the opportunity to um, see things from both sides of the fence. So I know what it's like to be married and I know what it's like to be single. 
so I can, yeah, I can relate to both sides. And I just want to share with you a clip. Um, it's from Bridget Jones' diary, and it just illustrates the challenges about being single in a married world. Oh God, I'm having dinner with Magda and Jeremy. The only thing worse than smug married couple. Lots of smug married couples. Right, everyone, this is Bridget. Bridge, this is Hugo and Jane, and Hello. obviously you know Cosmo and Woni. Hi, Bridge. This is Alistair and Henrietta. Hello. Julia and Michael. Hey. Joanne and Paul. Hello. And Jeremy's partners from Chambers, this is Natasha Glenville and Mark Darcy. Hi there. Hello. Not in your bunny girl outfit today? No. Uh, we bunnies only wear our tails on very special occasions. Right, B, sit yourself down. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know Jesus, hey. I, um, I, I do laugh sometimes about um, the questions that I get asked about how I'm going, like that. You know, not just about Harry, but how I'm going, moving on. And generally speaking, when my response underwhelms, um, it opens a floodgate of concern uh, and what I'm doing about that. Um, I have to confess though that although things have looked relatively unchanged in the natural, um, I've been believing and having a, a sense for a while that God is actually moving on our behalf in the supernatural. And I have felt him whisper into my spirit these words, things are not as they seem. And those words have really fueled my hope. We know that his timing is perfect, so I don't worry about that. But um, it did make me smile recently when my son Harry was having a chat to my sister who is in PR, and they were talking about the role of advertising. And it was around the time when um, Bayside's fantastic program, The Exchange, billboards were going up around Melbourne, and we'd be driving around in the car and Harry would spot a billboard and say, oh, there's Pastor Rob and Pastor Christy, they're huge. He was so proud. Over dinner, um, Harry had a revelation and he said, I think I'm going to advertise for a dad and I think I'll do a billboard of us just like Pastor Rob and Pastor Christie did. And I might also do a letter drop. <laughs> Intrigued by this, I, um, I asked Harry what the billboard might say and quick as a flash he replied, oh, Two for the price of one. <laughs> We're not too bad. <laughs> it's good to laugh and um, to know that God has everything in hand. I believe I'm really blessed because um, God in his great love used the same clay but totally remoulded me. Everything I knew had been taken away but God knew better. Same clay, remoulded. I feel like I was asleep, but now I'm awake. I'm very humbled by God to be um, called to raise Harry. And I've done this with huge joy and gratitude. And um, I'm just very clear that that's my purpose, to raise him with Jesus as the head of our home um, for whatever he has in store for Harry and for my life. The rest? Well, we know for each and every one of us that Jeremiah 29, 11, um, talks about the plans that God has for us, the good plans, 
that God has for each of us for our life. And in closing, I just want to encourage you. Um, during the very darkest times for me, the things that would get me through sometimes a sleep-deprived day or days was that text message or a phone call or the bunch of flowers left at the front door or the meal. And I just want to encourage you to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit um, to write that letter or pick up the phone, whatever it is for you, because you might not realise the, uh, the powerful blessing and the miracle in, that you're causing in somebody else's life through your obedience to God. So be blessed and thank you very much for the opportunity to share today. Hey, now, before we, uh, before we get into our questions and answer session today, I just was going to introduce uh, the panel to you in case there are some here that you might not know. So sitting over there on your far left is Steve Ashdown, and many of you will know Steve, of course, uh, involved in our young adults ministry and, uh, and all sorts of uh, areas of church life. So Steve, welcome to the panel. And Lucy, of course, we've just heard your story. Welcome to our, our panel and question and answer time. Now, Scotty Turley is, is the next, uh, next person sitting there. And Scotty, you and I go way back, don't we? Many, many years. In fact, we were, well, we weren't at the same uni together, but we were involved in Students for Christ together many years ago. Now, that was back in the 80s. 80s. That's a long time ago. A long time ago. And, uh, and a great saxophone player too. Love when you play saxophone. It's fantastic. And Tani Cunningham, many of you will know Tani, of course, from our Young Adults Ministry. And um, gee, how long have you been attending Bayside now? How many years? Three or four years. So if you haven't got to know Tani, shame on you. You should. Make sure you chat to her after the service today. All righty. Well, uh, a couple of quick questions, just, uh, just so that uh, I suppose everyone can uh, get to know uh, a little bit of your experience. But, but who is single and never been married or engaged before? out of the four of you, so two out of four, 50% so far. And who's found themselves single again? That must be the other two. <laughs> well, that's good, so we've covered all our bases. Now, uh, trick question here, could, could give it away. Who's keen to be married at some point? <laughs> okay, four out of four. And, uh, and who is content with their single status and not expecting to marry again? I guess that's going to be sort of... You never know. <laughs> Content with where you're at, but, uh, but looking to be married in the longer term. Okay. Well, uh, I, I want to go through a couple of questions, and uh, we'll just uh, see. Maybe there's, there's, there's one of you that has a, uh, more experience with particular questions than, than others. So feel free to, to speak up. I will perhaps direct a couple of questions to people I know that have got uh, some experience in certain areas. So, uh, but just uh, just on, on the on the video clip we played just then, did any one of those things, the ten plus one things that we went through right there from the DVD, uh, resonate with you? Was there anything in there that struck a chord where you thought, "Yep, that's me," or "I, I didn't like people saying that to me"? If you can remember, because we were sort of taking our seats, weren't we, while that was all happening? Has anyone ever said to you, "It's time to settle down"? Yeah. <laughs> and it's your mum, isn't it? <laughs> and Most she's of here the today. time. <laughs> Is that just because he's playing up and you're telling him to settle down? Or <laughs> Was there anything else there that might have struck a chord at all? Any, what, what are some of the things you know, you've heard people say to you that you really are not good? No? Lack of faith? 
think the one about um, just that there's plenty of fish in the sea. Yeah. I've never been any good at fishing anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, not helpful. I know. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we say those things, and, and, and perhaps we've all said some of those things uh, to single people at times, us, us married, and not realised what we're saying, you know, but, uh, but on the other side of that conversation, you know, some comments can have quite a big impact. Okay, so um, Lucy, I might ask you first, um, what are some of the best things uh, about being single? Um, well, I really feel um, very blessed to have um, forged the relationship that I have with Jesus. Um, I don't think had I continued to be married, I would have needed Jesus the, the way that I do now. Um, he's my everything. And so that in itself is just a wonderful blessing. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm. And Scotty, how about yourself? What's, the, what's some of the, the, the big advantages of being single? Uh, that I don't have to answer to anyone. <laughs> Amen, so, brother. Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> I might be single soon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just good. I can sleep in and it's kind of like, why aren't you out of bed? You know, and, you, know you get home, it's like, what have you done today? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, like, Fantastic. And while, while you've got the microphone, what are some of the struggles with day-to-day -day single life? Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, you know, for me, it's um, it's it, it's not actually a struggle because I've come to that place where I'm actually um, I've given it to God, and I'm actually thankful for where I'm at. I, I I'm thankful that I am single, and I'm saying, God, your will, your timing. Um, and I don't want it to be a day, a, a month, a year earlier. So I'm really content and, and I'm grateful because there's things that I can learn uh, at, in this season which I wouldn't be if I was actually with someone. So, yeah. yeah fantastic. Fantastic. Tani, we haven't heard from you yet. So, uh, so obviously yeah. single. Um, yeah. What are some of the, the, the things that strike you as being challenges or perhaps uh, making life a little bit awkward uh, as a single well, person? I would really agree with what Scotty says as well. I've, I really feel like I've come to that point where... I can see why I'm single, if that makes sense for now. Um, I had a lot of friends who perhaps thought they would be married by 21, 24, 25, whatever, and then as we've sort of reached those milestones, they've come through a lot of disappointment. Um, whereas I suppose for me, I've always prayed about, um, you know, meeting someone for our children and that sort of thing. Um, and I always had a sense that I wouldn't be married yet. Um, and I'm in my late 20s now, and so I suppose though, there is still, I think it was when I was about 22, I went to something like 11 weddings in one year. And so there was a lot of people roughly my age or a little bit older getting married. And I suppose that was a time for me to just, I suppose some of those things like, is there something wrong with me? Am I not doing something right? Um, everyone else is finding someone, oh, the good people are gone, all that sort of thing. But I look back on that, you know, five years ago and I sort of laugh at that now. So um, it's just getting to that point where, where you are is okay and it's, it's that contentedness and I think um, any of the struggles that a single person could have, whether it's be, being feeling like you're alone or something like that, I, I've not been married but I suspect you could feel that if you're married as well. Yeah. Um, and so it's very much your personal journey and understanding, as Lisa was saying before, where your identity is in God and it, and it doesn't have anything or much to do with um, if you're married or not. 
Yeah. And Steve, how, how about yourself? Uh, difficulties, challenges, moments of awkwardness, what, uh, what strikes you as a single guy? Well, I think what uh, Tani said towards the end, I think um, being alone from time to time, I try and keep myself pretty proactive um, being single and go get out and about and uh, normally if, if I can find like a quiet place, even when you're in the Word of God, I, I still find you're in it, you're fulfilled, it's a great relationship to have but there still goes lingers through your mind, be nice to be with somebody, be nice to be able to hold their hand and walk down the street or along the beach or in a public park or go to an event together, that does go through your mind and that can be uh, challenging from time to time. And I find probably the most challenging for me would be uh, when I have a bit of spare time up my sleeve as well too. Like, okay, I've been in the Word, praying, and it's like, okay, I've still got a bit of time before I've committed to doing something else. And that can be uh, challenging um, with my mind from time to time. But you just, uh, like we've been saying, we've just got to keep pressing on, pressing on closer before God and uh, being accountable with good people. And, and all four of you expressed uh, a desire at some point to be married. Um, and what are some of the ways that you've coped with, with that waiting process, you know, waiting for God? We've sort of heard a couple of little comments about that, but, but perhaps, you know, just, uh, uh, just waiting for God to sort of fulfil that desire, because sometimes God doesn't move as quickly as we would like, does he? Any, any thoughts on that? And I'm open to whoever might want to start the ball rolling with that one. Well, I suppose for me, again, it's based on already my journey with God and knowing that his timing is perfect and I sort of see just some things in my life even just as a small example at the end of uni when we were getting our master's thesis through the uni there was just hilarious things going wrong which meant um, that I didn't actually couldn't actually start in my profession because I wasn't registered for about six months so all my all my peers had got their jobs they're starting to work it's all happening for them and um, I was sitting there going what's going on like you know I had to turn down two good jobs because I literally wasn't legally able to practice yet. Um, but then I look back on that and I'm so glad I didn't get those two jobs because it wouldn't have brought me to where I need to be now in my career. And that's just some example where at the time I thought I knew it all, this was the way it was going to go, I was going to finish uni, I was going to get a job and that's exactly how it happens. Um, but I look back and that waiting, it was only like five months, it was nothing in the grand scheme of things but at the time it seemed like a lot. And I just don't want to with my own pride or my own expectations influence what God has for me in a negative way um, and going to something before it's ready, potentially. Yeah. Fantastic. How about some of, the, some of the others, Steve? How about yourself? How are you coping with you know, the, the delay in, in praying and then obviously waiting for God to answer? Yeah, I remember a term Alan Meyer used a, a number of years ago. He said, uh, God is the matchmaker and his timing is the right timing. And uh, easier said than done sometimes uh, when you're in that uh, situation. But I think what you've got to be careful of and what I've learned as well when it says you wait on God, okay, what does wait mean? Now, you can, you can use it in a practical term. Okay, well, I'll wait, I won't do anything about it. Um, I'll just come to church week in, week out, just speak with people and, um, yeah, it'll just happen. It'll just happen. And people have said that, but they haven't really explained it in deeper terms. But I think it just comes with experience and the term of waiting when it comes with singleness and you're desiring to be married. I think you've still got to be proactive in a sense of um, being around the right people, being involved in ministry, serving God. And uh, like I was saying before, I think it's important to uh, be accountable with people, to um, trusted friends that you can open up with and tell them how you're feeling. And uh, I think that's been a big plus. Like, I've caught up with you many a times, Stu, and um, we've spoken about this issue a few times, and uh, it's been good. I've come away fulfilled, and it's good to do it 
kept uh, enjoyed the ongoing. coffee. Sorry, we've enjoyed the coffees. Absolutely, especially with your shout, <laughs> <laughs> Lucy. Yeah, would you like to share on this? Thanks, Steve. Um, sometimes I think you can, you know, when you have something that's sort of on your heart. Um, it can kind of become very much a focus and I think it's important for that not to sort of take over. Yeah. Um, and so putting it in its rightful place, that perspective, yeah. that God perspective is really good. Mm. And, um, you know, whether it be whatever it is, you know, you can kind of tend to become a, a bit of a navel gazer. And I think that actually God calls us to, to get um, busy with kingdom work and, you know, he takes care of, of everything. And um, generally I have found that, you know, when my priorities are aligning with God's will, um, that that's when doors open and opportunities come. Um, so it's just letting go. My, my, my grandparents used to say, let go and let God. Yeah, that's great. That's good advice, isn't it? And Scotty, how about yourself? Yeah, I think it's good to wait without waiting. And um, I've been in a position where you kind of feel like uh, I'd rather sort of... You know, you're waiting to, to have someone in your life before you do things. Mm. But I think you're actually more attractive when you are becoming the warrior that you're destined to be. You know, there's, you know, passions and interests that God have given you, whether it's in, in your career or outside of your career. When you're following those things, um, you know, you become more attractive, you know, um, so and sometimes as you're pushing forwards and becoming that warrior that you're destined to be, that's when that person who's destined to be with you was like, wow, he's, he's the one I want to be with. You know, mm. she's the one I want to be with. Look at her. Look at him. Often those passions and interests provide flavour to our lives, don't they? And, yeah. and it's sometimes those mm. flavours that attract people to you. Mm. Hey, while well, you've got the microphone, you volunteered to answer the next question, which is a bit of a tricky <laughs> question. Uh, so thanks for being brave. Um, but, uh, but how do you meet the natural desire for sex and intimacy without having sex outside of marriage? Um, you know, for, for me, when I first come to Bayside, which was Father's Day 2009, um, yeah, I, I was, you know, and, you know, prior to sort of coming to church, that was a bit of a weakness of mine, uh, you know, physical touch and you know, being involved sexually. And um, the week that I signed up Father's Day at, at uh, or felt God called me to come to Bayside, um, which was on a Sunday at South Melbourne, um, I also started Valiant Man um, on the Monday night. And I'd, I'd met someone around the same time and uh, because of my weakness in that area, I felt like I was going to blow it while I was doing the, um, the Valiant Man course, you know. But, you know, God got me through. You know, I, I just, as Lucy said, you know, I, I just kept coming to church each week, got involved with a connect group, um, you know, then I've started leading connect group, done Alpha, led Alpha, done the Valiant Man. And so that that is, you know, and I look back at it, and I think last year we did like a, some sort of survey thing at, at church, and that was actually my strength. Wow. And so it was amazing over a period of four or five years of me just plugging in and just doing what I sense God wanted me to do. And then when I've done that, okay, what's next? Okay, if you thought about leading a group. Um, so, yeah, an area of my life that was a weakness uh, has now become a strength. It's just without me even knowing it. 
Fantastic. Um, so probably the other area is the, the thing that I do miss, um, which I didn't mention earlier, you know, was, was probably touch. You know, I, I don't mind not kissing. I don't mind not having sex. But sometimes I see couples and, you know, just that, that touch, you know, being able to hold hands. Um, so, um, yeah, I've, you know, got a cat. And so I've... <laughs> uh, it's all healthy, you know, <laughs> the relationship I have with my cat, but <laughs> but uh, I, I've, I've heard that um, when you, if you have an animal and you don't have a second animal, um, that the, you know, the, the human becomes the partner in their life. So I work a couple of jobs, so when I'm home, my cat really appreciates me and you know, while I'm like, you know, my, it's an indoor cat and while I'm in bed, she's always, you know, on top of me and um so yeah it's it's i don't notice not being with someone you know having that pet you know in my life um you know that sort of there's you know a healthy intimacy or or you know there's that touch and you know someone who really appreciates me so fantastic yeah. mate i had a cat that used to sleep on my legs as a teenager and uh and i never knew that the cat used to sleep on my legs so i'd go to bed and the cat would sort of come in during the night and, and I always used to thrash around at night because my legs were sort of pinned down. And one night I must have, I must have subconsciously, I just hear this thud. And so I, and so I thrashed around so much I'd kick the cat across the room into the wall. <laughs> cat never did it again. <laughs> now, Steve, you've got a rather novel way of, uh, of, of, of keeping yourself in check here. Uh, tell us about your morning forays into the ocean. <laughs> Well, we did speak about this. I thought what's uh, said in the room stays in the room, but it's come out into the auditorium. <laughs> so I better, uh, yeah, open up about this. I think f for me, uh, in, in a sense of just keeping myself active and uh, keeping my mind on the right track and uh, not falling or for the temptation of sexual immorality, is if I'm going through a period where, okay, yeah, getting worked up or a bit of an adrenaline rush, what I'd like to do, and I try and do it most days, is go and jump in the beach in the winter. And I did it this morning. <laughs> and I try and do it most days and um, done quite a bit of research on it. It's a good habit to do. Uh, I know it's hard to understand this time of the year when the water's only about three, Very four, five degrees. Very hard to understand, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, re it's really good and it just takes the focus away from everything, um, of what the ways of the world. And, and to me, it's just like a good God time as well too, to draw closer before God because when you're out in the water this time of the year, it's freezing cold and you're just you're yelling and nobody can really hear because you're miles away from them. And, it's <laughs> and it just takes away that focus of the body side of things and just really just draws me and just fulfills my spirit. And coming out, and even though it's freezing cold and I'm keen to rush to the gym spa and warm myself up again, it's, to me, it's just a really good way of breaking any form of temptation. Fantastic. I believe Al Morton joined you uh, one morning out there and he was tossing up whether to put the big wetsuit on and get out there. But you, you talked him into just heading out there in the, in the boardies or the speedos. And... <laughs> Didn't go quite as far as the speedos, but uh, the boardies <laughs> and a T-shirt. And uh, funny thing was afterwards, he, he didn't, it wasn't too bad when he said he was in there halfway through it, but afterwards we um, went and had a drink at McDonald's and uh, he had his um, – it really kicked in. He had – the overcoat, it was like he was in the snow. He had a hood <laughs> over his head, he had his beanie on and people at McDonald's were just laughing at him. He thought it was just an absolute classic because he just couldn't adjust to it quick enough because he doesn't do it often enough in the winter. All right, so if any of you guys feel like you need to join Steve in the mornings, <laughs> see him after the service, he'll give you time and place and date. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, there's lots of people in our community and, and one of the big challenges 
even though our communities are so large, is that feeling of isolation and loneliness, which seems crazy, doesn't it, in a, in, in a large city, but it's so true. Um, uh, what's life like for uh, yourselves, being uh, single, being isolated perhaps, uh, being lonely, and, and what sort of strategies have you, have you used to overcome that? And perhaps, Lucy, we can start with you. Um, I think I, I don't feel lonely yeah. and I'm very thankful for that. You know, I can go home on my own when Harry's away, go into the house and I feel safe and I feel um, God's peace. And I suppose I use God's peace as my moral compass really for everything. If I don't have that peace about a situation, I don't, you know, I don't go there. Um, I feel very blessed to go to a church um, who just love and accept me as I am. And I think it's really important that, um, you know, we just love people where they're at, um, whatever. We're all on our own journey and we all have our own cross to bear and irrespective of, you know, your marital status. Um, but I'm just really very grateful for um, Connect Group, for um, godly friends who um, really bless me and um, who I really love spending time with. God has just reshaped, you know, the framework of my life. Um, for a while there it was a bit like a pack of cards had been, you know, tossed up into the air and there, it was just chaos and, you know, confusion. But um, in his um, great love and mercy, he's just remoulded my life and um, I, I feel incredibly blessed. Fantastic. Yeah. And Tony, uh, for yourself, how has being part of a church community really helped in that, with that sense of being plugged in and, and connected to other people? Well, yeah, I think it is important because the church, we are the family of God. So, um, you know, if we're fortunate, we have a great family structure at home, but um, that's not necessarily the normal for everyone. And I think that's when we as the church family do need to, to come around people. And um, obviously I'm a big fan of connect groups as well, um, but not just connect groups, actually getting to, to know people. I think we can sort of step into that place um, and say, I would be the same. I would say as a single person, I'm not lonely. Um, because I've sort of got such a great support with um, at home. I still live with my parents, so that's a very, very obvious form of um, support. Um, but then obviously the church family can come around as well. Um, and also in, in friends as well. Obviously a lot of my friends are now married couples um, and they've been very good in still including me in their lives and not just assuming that I wouldn't want to go to something where these are couples. Um, thankfully I've been to a lot of events where I'm the only single person but it's not quite like Bridget Jones's experience, <laughs> thankfully. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just that sort of thing, just realising where everyone's at and just being... Um, okay with that as well um, is really good and I suppose from the point of view of the video the funny video that we played before as well is the whole problem with that was people just not understanding where people are at um, and so someone who is totally at peace with where they are and all that sort of stuff and they're very active in what they do it's no point going up to them if you don't know them and saying oh you need to be doing this I need to be doing that because it's not coming out of that um that spirit of love and encouragement. So as far as what um, the church can do, I think it's just understanding where people are at um, and trying to support them um, where they are and what they need. Wonderful. Thanks. Now, before we finish up this morning, obviously God's a, God's a, a big part of each of your lives and you've drawn strength from him. Uh, and Steve, we might start with you and then just work our way down, down the line. Uh, what's, what's something that, that uh, God has encouraged you with, whether it's a prophecy or a, or a scripture or perhaps something that's occurred in a prayer time? What's something God 
uh, has has done with you to strengthen you and encourage you? I think um, just through my experience as a growing Christian, it would be uh, firstly uh, just being content in who you are, being yourself. I think it's also important to um, be enthusiastic, to be passionate about the kingdom of God, and I think that's also very attractive as a godly person, both male and female. A guy would, wants to see, a godly guy wants to see an enthusiastic female, and I think vice versa as well too. And um, that's, um, for me, something I've learnt over the past, is, uh, again, content, being enthusiastic and passionate. A scripture that I like to always turn back to is uh, just one that I think we use quite often is Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that all things will be added. And uh, Joyce Meyer really waters it down well where she says, seek first the benefits of his kingdom. What can I do to continue to be proactive in benefiting his kingdom and righteousness in doing everything you can each day to be obedient to the word of God and that all things will be added. And I think that's a good way of just being able to release the, the pressures of your own life back onto God and uh, it does make a big difference uh, in your walk with God and your walk with people. Fantastic. Thanks, Steve. And, and Lucy, have, have at yourself. Oh, this is amazing. Learning so much. Love it. <laughs> Love church. Um, so I really do think that sometimes without knowing it, you know, we can put God in a box. We really need to allow God to be God and um, to allow him to be, you know, I think we're, we're blessed to serve a God who specialises in miracles. <laughs> so we need to allow for the miraculous. Uh, I had an extraordinary encounter. I haven't told anybody this, Frankston Campus. You heard You're it here first. Here. <laughs> With um, Pastor Alan Meyer, not this time that he came, but a couple of years ago. And I was... Um, in the corner of um, the Cheltenham foyer area, just kind of near the door, and my mum was lining up for one of his books um, about being a godly man, and I can't quite remember the title of it. Anyway, um, he sort of looked like he was waving at me like this, and I did that whole... Was it, there was no one behind me because it was just the door. And he got up and from where he was signing his books and, and came towards me. And he said, why aren't you in the line? And I was like, oh, my, my, my mum's in the line, you know. I, I don't need the book because I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I don't have anyone and I'm not married or, uh, you know. I was just like garbling, I think, like this. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you need this book. And he went back to his thing and signed a book and brought it over to me and he gave it to me. And he said, Lucy you deserve one of these people, a man like this, you know, don't ever settle. And I just was so taken aback by that and so incredibly blessed. And I guess I'm sharing it with you because we just don't know what God's got in store for us. We really don't know. And we just need to be faithful with what he puts in our hand and just trust him, trust him in the good times and trust him in the darkness. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Lucy. Scotty. Uh, two things for me. One is Romans 8.28. You know, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, you know, I just declare that, you know. It's like, yeah, you, you are working this together for your good. You know, I am called according to your purpose. Um, the other thing is faith. You know, sometimes I just close my eyes and I say, God, I choose not to see um, what I see, but I choose to see the unseen. I thank you for my future wife. 
I thank you for our children, Lord. You know, sometimes I'll be in church and I imagine her beside me worshipping God, you know, nagging at me because I'm on my phone. <laughs> Ladies, be careful where you sit um, on, a, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, that's good. Huh? That's funny. Um, yeah, for me it's not one particular scripture. It's just been that little journey and just little um, things God's put into my heart. And I think God communicates us in the way that our personality and the way that we're wired um, works for us. So for me it's, it doesn't have to be something big. It's just a realisation of just that rest of it's you are where you need to be and that's okay. Um, and I think through my life God's shown me examples of amazing men um, and amazing relationships. So I feel like I know in that regard what I'm looking for and I feel like I'm being prepared to then make – it's such an important decision um, who you do side yourself with in life. And I think just little moments where I'm like, oh, man, I think God you taught me about something that I need to be looking for or something that I can be to my spouse in the future – um, and so I'm just so thankful for that. So it's not one big theme. It's just that continual walking with God and continual um, him just breathing words and, and life and encouragement to me in that area. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. We're going to finish it up there. We've gone way over time this morning. But, uh, but can I just ask you to put your hands together and show your appreciation for our four amazing panellists. Wow. Now, Pastor Rob, when he was uh, thinking through... Uh, you know, what we'd be sharing uh, this morning, said, oh, now make sure you remind everyone of four particular points, four key points that he wanted to uh, wanted me to bring to your attention. So I'm going to read them out. And the last one is very funny, if you know Rob and Christy. Point one is, those of us who are not single have a responsibility to include single people in our families. Psalm 68.6 says, God sets the solitary in families. And it's also our responsibility as a church to make sure the single people amongst us feel at home. Amen. So as we look around this morning, we're seeing our family members and let's, not make, let's make sure that no one is, is missing out on, uh, on being plugged in. Uh, point number two, single people are not second-class citizens in the church. And having met our four singles on stage this morning, you would agree with me, I'm sure. Uh, especially those who are single again, maybe through relationship breakdown. Uh, point number three is that it's okay to be single, contented and to remain that way and to serve the Lord with all the time you have. And 1 Corinthians chapter 7 actually speaks quite a lot about that and the Apostle Paul. But just remember that there were some very significant single people in our world. Jesus was one of them. The Apostle Paul was another. Uh, John, Timothy, Mother Teresa and even Cliff Richard who was single and uh, had such an impact in pop culture. Uh, now, the final point, of course, for those of you that know Christy B, don't be a matchmaker. She is the worst offender of this point. But when she starts praying for a couple, it's all over. You know that something's going to happen. Uh, and so I laughed at that. I actually know probably half a dozen couples off the top of my head that have been matchmade and matchmade very well. So... Don't be a busybody, let's put it that way, but rather be a divine matchmaker if you're ever going to uh, do anything about it. Start praying for people rather than just interfering and, uh, and make sure that God is involved in anything that might happen there. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.